welcome back to Unleashed at Work and Home. Today, my guest is Dr. Chris Polkel, a veterinary behaviorist with the Animal Behavior Clinic in Portland, Oregon. And I deliberately invited Chris because he put out a post one day on Facebook about celebrating wins and and what was something awesome that had happened recently. And I think that's something that we as people struggle with sometimes. So I totally hooked up with him and said, please, please, please come on my podcast. And he was so gracious and he said yes. So thank you so much. Uh, absolutely, Colleen. I'm, I'm happy to be here. I'm grateful to be a part of the conversation with you. Absolutely. Well, I'm very excited to be talking today. So as a behaviorist, you spend a lot of time looking at animals and what they do and what we would like to see them do more of. I think animals are pretty good at celebrating a win. What do you think? Absolutely. It's amazing what, what we can see in their body language and also recognizing that for the most part, they, they sort of stay out of their own way. You know, they're very much sort of in the moment and, and they're, I, I find for most of them, at least, they're not getting kind of lost in that circular headspace where we overthink things and we get wrapped up in should I or shouldn't I? I mean, these animals are, are, are they are what they are. You yeah. know, they're pretty transparent about it. And, you know, we get to have that conversation with them and, and, and in some cases kind of celebrate that joy with them. Yeah, that prefrontal cortex helps us sometimes and sometimes it really doesn't. <laughs> Man, it's a bugger sometimes. <laughs> it sure is. So um, I know you have a dog, Cornelius. Can you tell us a little bit about how you see him celebrate? Yeah, absolutely. He's a new dog for me. And by that, I mean, I, he's almost five years old. So he's been with me since he was a, an older puppy. But the dogs that I had previous to him were uh, both a, a, a cattle dog and then I had a Great Dane as well. So on one hand, a bit more controlling, work-oriented, a bit more serious. And then the Great Dane was a bit more let's say anxiety prone and she wasn't exactly the the most confident dog in the world. Cornelius is three quarter bull terrier and then something else, which is debatable depending on which DNA test you look at. <laughs> and so he's a much more sort of forward dog. He's much more impulsive. He's much more ex exuberant is a good way to put it. Uh, and, and so it, it's fun to watch him, um, see see those changes within his body language and his expressions when he's really you know just just living life to the fullest and whatever that happens to be mm -hmm. and it's it's also been interesting cuz that exuberant word sometimes means he can get a little bit carried away as well yes. so sometimes we we wish that his prefrontal cortex were just <laughs> a little bit more engaged in certain situations yes <laughs> that's true i've always liked exuberant as a word to describe the dogs who are a lot you know, so it, it doesn't have some of the negative emotional baggage of some of the other words that my clients use when they're describing the dog. I'm like, well, he's just really exuberant. He throws himself into it. You know? Absolutely. Heart and soul in every action. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I'm trying to become better at being. I'm trying to be a little bit more heart and soul into every action um, because we spend a lot of time with the shoulds in this world. You know, I should do this, or I should do that, of these expectations that we either put on ourselves or that other people put upon us. And that sometimes makes us shrink and hold back a little bit. Absolutely. And, and I love that you use that, that particular word, the should word. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was just reading an article about a week and a half ago or so. It came across my feed on LinkedIn, and it was an article talking specifically about that, that if, if this person could, I forget exactly how the author said it, but something to the effect of if we could sort of get rid of this one word 
and reframe what those statements actually look like. It's amazing how the entire conversation changes Mm -hmm. when we take away that that sense of judgment or that sense of expectation and, oh, you know, he should or she should or I should. And it's, it immediately sets up sort of this comparison between what we think is and what we think should be. And then we're kind of wrestling and trying to balance and trying to either live up to or, you know, change something that just isn't perhaps quite working the way we think it should. Mm-hmm. And, you know, gosh, those judgments are just a beast to try to work around in most cases. Yeah, they really are. So tell us from the perspective of, of celebrating what are some ways that we could use celebration to help us be more present and a little less burdened by our shoulds? Yeah, no, I think it's, it's, a, it's a fantastic question to ask. And I think that there's, there's multiple ways to look at. Part of it is the how, and there's also the kind of the why behind that. And, you know, I, I've done a, a fair amount of reading on the way that the brain functions, both from a kind of a philosophy direction, as well as from a neurophysiological basis. And, you know, it's amazing when you really look at everything that the brain is capable of and, and how hard it works, whether we're aware of it or not. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing how much more attentive our brains and our, our, our sort of conscious as well as our subconscious can be when we're programming it to pay attention to the things that we want it to pay attention right. to. Uh, you know, and I've been in different seminars, for example, where, you know, they'll say, okay, you know, now for the next 10 seconds, look around the room and, you know, just notice everything that's blue. Mm-hmm. And it's like you, you just pause for that moment and you look and you're like, wow, there's a heck of a lot of blue in this room. Yes. And we could make that blue, we could make it red, we could make it purple. But then all of a sudden we start to see those things. And gosh, if you're someone who really likes the color blue and you were just so busy and so lost in your own headspace that you had forgotten to look around and see it, man, the moment we tell our brain, I'm supposed to be paying attention to blue, boom, blue is everywhere. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden it completely changes that entire perspective of how we're viewing the world. And it really just reminds me of the fact that every single one of us has our own sort of second to second, minute to minute perception. And we have more power than we're aware of to really program what that perception can look like. Absolutely. I love that you brought up the notice what's blue example, because on my website, I have a download of 10 ways to recharge when you don't have time to take a break. And one of them is... Exactly that. It's identify what's blue and then it says, okay, after you've done that and you need another one, what's fuzzy? What's shiny? Just looking at something like that. But it's so funny that you should bring up the something blue because the image is this whole blue room. And, you know, this idea of like take a second and look around you and brings you back into that moment and it gives your brain a job, which is helpful. <laughs> and also opens you up to noticing really what is there. And so when we do that with gratitude, that works really well when we start saying what's good in this situation. Absolutely. Absolutely. This concept here kind of ties into something that I was working on probably about a year or so ago that that was really kind of transformative for me. And it kind of takes both of these concepts about kind of the blue and the should. I was working through this process of trading expectations for appreciation. And what I found in my own life is when I was getting really frustrated or really kind of, in some cases, downright angry about a particular situation, I was like, God, you know, why, why am I so upset? Why am I so just emotionally fired up about this? And what I was finding for myself is there was something that I had brought to that situation 
some sort of preconceived expectation of what I thought should be or what I thought the outcome was going to be. And the moment things didn't match up, it was like my brain was just ticked at the world. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, well, that's, that's great. Now I know why, but I'm still struggling with what to do about (laughs) that because my brain is still not happy about this. And, and so, you know, with, with some help of, of some individuals, we, we just had a good conversation and we came up with this, you know, essentially a hashtag trade expectations for appreciation. And it would, it was sort of a way for me to pause and say, you know, things like, you know, I expected that I was going to get to work on time by only allowing myself 12 minutes. You know, I appreciate that everybody else in Portland was thinking the exact same thing. (laughs) And my schedule is no more or less important than theirs are, you know, and I appreciate that I need to allow 15 minutes for that commute if it's during rush hour. And I appreciate that I arrived there safely, even if I was a couple minutes late. And I appreciate that my clients were understanding, even though I didn't live up to that, that Mm -hmm. commitment that I had promised to be on time and to be ready. And it was like all of a sudden by switching that from kind of this conflict and this expectation to what can I appreciate about this, all of a sudden the entire perception of that situation turned from me sort of rushing through traffic and trying to cut that red light and, you know, all of those things to, you know what, let's fill this with gratitude instead. And it completely changed the way that my brain was thinking about those situations. And the more I did it, the more natural it became. And the, the faster those appreciations came. Yes. And after a while, I, I, I kind of fell off the wagon in doing it because I'm like, I'm just kind of running through life appreciating a whole lot of stuff right now. So now it's, just, it's, it's more of a rarity that I need to do it, but it's still one of my go-tos to be able to, to, to not only sort of think about what is the impact of doing that, but also how do I actually start to rewire or reprogram or reframe those situations in a way that's more productive? Yeah. And that makes me think of dog training because everything in the world makes me think of dog training. But you started with how and the why. And when we explain to people why a dog is behaving in a certain way, doesn't actually help you fix anything yet. (laughs) But it helps us to reframe in our minds what's happening and to change expectations and all of that. And then the how is the actual work of noticing and redirecting and changing it. And so, like you said, when when you started to, to recognize what was happening to you, the how took some practice until it became habit. And then now it's not something you're consciously thinking about all the time because it's just a piece of you. You don't need to do it quite as much. But that whole struggle of, I understand this is how it should be, and yet I can't quite get there. And the deliberate practice of, okay, I'm going to have to do baby steps. And I love trade expectations for appreciation as a mental reframe. That's awesome. Yeah, it was, and, and I, I created these little you know, reminders for myself along the way, and I, I, I kind of taught myself, just like we do with the dogs that we're working with, what is that first body language indication that you know that that animal is about to react or behave in a particular way, and it, can we rewind it back to that very first moment? And so really working with myself to say, what is the first thing that I do, mm-hmm. and how can I sort of start to create more of a, a, a knee-jerk reaction to say, I'm holding my breath. Yes. Or my upper lip is starting to clench just that (laughs) little bit. And so like, okay, that's the pause button. Pause, pause, pause. Just like we would tell our clients, you know, your dog is starting to tense up through the shoulder, you know, pause, you know, can, can, can you put that on a freeze frame for a second until you figure out what to do? And for me, that was the moment of saying pause, 
TEFA, trade expectations for appreciation. What does that mean? What can I do right here in this moment? And then go. Yes. And it, yeah, it just starts to, the circuitry starts to happen a little bit faster and a little bit faster. And then it starts to run on its own, which is just a, a really cool moment to start to recognize. But it's not foolproof. You know, you have a rough week, you have a couple of bad days in a row. And man, it's amazing what happens and how kind of quickly we can get knocked off of that right. rhythm. And so having the how available to say, okay, I know what worked. I know how I got there and I know how I'm going to get back as yes. well was super important for me. And really understanding that it is normal to get knocked off track. That, okay, we did make a great behavior change and it was awesome and then pff, fell apart. But I can get back there. I can. Yeah. Perfect example. I expect that once I've made a behavior change, that's going to be self-sustaining from that point mm -hmm. forward. I appreciate that. No, <laughs> no, it's not. It's going to be ongoing and life is going to change and circumstances change and emotional reactions change. And we're, we are in this constant state of, of um, evolution and adaption, you know, adaptation and, and all of those things that, that require us to have a pretty significant toolbox to be able to pull in and put away as needed. Yeah, that's really true. So because we are so often hooked and carried away before we recognize that that's happening, what are some tips that you would suggest for people working in stressful environments like an animal clinic or a shelter or anything like that to to start celebrating their small wins? I think there's a couple of different things. Um, if you're working within a team, I think it's it's amazing to be able to do that truly as a collaborative effort. And whether that's a kind of big picture and just saying, hey, I want us to change, change our mindset on this, or whether it's something really simple and really practical. You know, maybe it's something that we start at a staff meeting. So maybe it's once a month, once a week. It's not very often at all. But we start that meeting by saying, you know, does anybody have a really cool experience? Something that was a really transformational moment, something that was really uplifting, something that somebody said, or perhaps a success that you had with one of the animals in the clinic or the shelter or, you know, something. The first couple times we do it, you know, it's, it's crickets, you know, there's, there's really, it's like, no, 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 I'm not talking. I'm not sharing anything good to me. No, no, no. And, and, you know, it, as long as we start to do that consistently, even in that moment, it's amazing what happens. We kind of start to come into those staff meetings or those group meetings thinking, gosh, he might call on me. I need, I need to be thinking about something that was really, really good. And so maybe that's something that starts to build. Maybe it's only five minutes before the staff meeting, but now it's the day before and now it's the week before. And now something happens the day after the staff meeting. And we're thinking, I need to save that because that was an amazing thing to share with the team. And we're starting to recognize and file those things away right. so we have them to refer to. Because, yeah, there's going to be the moment where you could have 37 of those moments in a row and then something is going to glitch. And so having the ability to say, you know, gosh, you know, I can recognize that these really amazing experiences have been happening all around me. And sure, this one wasn't so great. But that's one out of 38 mm -hmm. versus if we're just sort of clicking along, responding to life as it happens, our brains are wired to recognize the negatives. They're wired to recognize the danger zones. We're programmed to really be aware of that as a way to maintain our own sense of safety and security. And so if we're not being somewhat proactive in recognizing those moments on a minute to minute, day to day, week to week, month to month basis, 
it's really easy to get overwhelmed by all of the negativity. And it's not that the world is any more or less negative when we reframe our perceptions, but we just notice things differently and the negatives aren't quite as impactful. Right. And that's the important piece. The, the negatives are still there, but they aren't quite as impactful. They're not hurting us as much. They're not hurting the people we care about as much because we're bleeding all of our negative onto them. They're not hurting our relationships with our coworkers. It's still there, but we're, we're more powerful in our ability to address those negatives if we can notice what's good. Absolutely. And it is that process. And it is a matter of uh, in, in some cases, too, if we're really struggling with that, you know, not everybody's going to be able to say, aha, trade expectations for appreciation and immediately <laughs> run with it. You know, some people are going to say, yeah, but, you know, your world is different from mine. My life really sucks right now. And I get that. You know, we've all had varying degrees of that, whether it's our circumstances or whether it's our own physical or emotional struggles that we're going through. We're all going to be coming at this from a different perspective, a different starting point. And yet for me, what I love about some of these kind of little tricks and these little strategies is if we're able to take the situation and just like we do with dog training and just like we do in the medical field, we bring it back to data. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we, we try to get away from, oh, I feel or I think. It's not that those emotions are, are bad or that there's not a valid place for them, but sometimes the emotional reaction gets in the way of us really processing what is actually present. So bringing it back to, to the data you know, I could be really annoyed because it's raining out today. It's not. It's actually glorious blue sky today. But, you know, <laughs> but, I, but I could be annoyed that it's raining. And, and yet the rain isn't a negative thing. It's my perception of the rain that is changing that. So if I can say, oh, it is raining. That's it. There's water falling from the sky. That's all that it is. That's just the data. That is what's happening then I can decide what to think or how to incorporate my thoughts into that versus coming at it from that frustration of, but I wanted to go for a run, but we were supposed to have a picnic, but I'm going to get wet when I take the dog for a walk. And we can say, yeah, it's raining. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'll run tomorrow. And maybe I really didn't want to go for a picnic anyway. And I can use an umbrella and I don't have to get wet if I don't want to. There are solutions for each of these situations if we bring it back to data versus really kind of dwelling on the frustration or the angst or the anger that surrounds our reaction to it. Yes. Yeah, I think that's a really good example. I talked to a woman a while back who was really in a stuck spot. She was really feeling like there was nothing was going to get better. Everything was super hard. And all of the happy, happy, joy, joy suggestions of positive psychology were a load of crap. And I understand that feeling. I completely understand that feeling. And yet we have to do something. We can't eliminate all these negatives, but it's not helping us to dwell. And, and that's where she was. She was really stuck and frustrated and angry. And, and I was like, begging to find what are the small pieces and we were looking for the celebrations that we could find and it really was like what are the small things what's one thing good and when I do sessions I sometimes ask people to tell me one tiny good thing it was easy to do the really big good thing like I'm so grateful I have a great relationship with my husband fabulous but that's big give me something tiny like I have a pen that writes really well awesome those are the ones the micro moments that make up your day. And so if we yes. can go, what are the little tiny things that are bringing you joy? And she rolled her eyes and she looked at me and she goes, this chair doesn't suck. 
<laughs> and I was like, yes, we've all been right? in an uncomfortable chair. And this one is not bad. Okay. <laughs> and then my reaction made her laugh. And I thought, oh, thank goodness. That was our little celebration was that her chair was tolerable. It's a, a challenging piece. And it does sometimes come down to, you know, like, let's just look at the baseline here. What do we got? And when you're saying bring it back to the data, I think it's a little bit of that. That there, there is something good in our data. Yes. Absolutely. And, and it brings me right back to the blue comment. Mm-hmm. You know, even if you're saying, well, there's nothing around me that's good right now. And you say, well, okay, how would, how would you know? What is the thing that you're looking for? You know, what would be something that is good for you? So if we talk about celebrating a win, what, what does a win mean to you? And then especially if we're talking on a one-on-one basis or really, you know, challenging people to think about that, we can talk about sort of, as you mentioned, the different sort of levels of win. Are we talking about a pen that writes really well? Or are we talking about a a relationship or a home or a lifestyle or a career? You know, these big picture things. And we can figure out what really constitutes a win. And we can come at it from either angle. If you're someone who's a really big picture person and saying, I need to have all of these things in place, well, let's break it down. Let's start with a pen that writes in a chair that doesn't suck. And let's kind of build that world together and vice versa. If we start to say, okay, I recognize the pen and I recognize the chair, but my life is still really hard. Let's start to do some math. You've got one good thing, two good things, three good things. What is it going to take to really be able to recognize what that win would look like for you? Because if right. we haven't defined what it is, even, even just at a basic level, how are we ever going to know it when it comes our way? It's really interesting as you say that because I haven't actually phrased it that way with people about their own behavior. And yet I always phrase it that way with people about their dogs. You know, like we do need to know what what does yes look like? What is good? And, you know, particularly with this woman, I, I wasn't saying, you know, what are you looking for? And I, I love that idea of let's define it. What is the win? Um, it's feeling like a giant blind spot to me as you've just illuminated it. But it's, it's true. I mean, because I'm always looking specifically behavior-wise. What do you want? But from that big picture of what does a win look like, I really like that idea. Because when you're struggling, it's really hard to articulate what that might be. Yes. You, you don't know yeah. what a win looks like. And so you're never going to find it because you haven't defined it. Yeah, it's never going to come your way. And even if people are showering love and support and saying, oh, but you've got this and you've got that and you've got so much to be grateful for and you've got so much to be thankful for and, and, and if your brain has not identified any of those things as a as a win yeah. or as something that's worthy of celebration, it's just noise. Mm hmm. And, you know, it's amazing to me when I when I think and this is sort of fresh on my mind because I've got a vacation coming up here in about a week and a half and I'm super excited about it. Yet it always it always reminds me that for so many of us, we sort of and I hear this and if we could say I'm guilty of it, I know I've had those moments, too, where we sort of feel like we're struggling through the day to day to get to that vacation. Mm -hmm. And whether that's, you know, struggling through the work week to get to Friday afternoon and celebrate the weekend or whatever it is. I I think that we are missing a lot of opportunities because even, you know, let's say my my life is terrible and I've got this glorious vacation. The vacation's going to end. Right. 
And I'm going to come back to that life that I left behind. Yes, there are times we're just getting the opportunity to sleep and to recharge (laughs) and to do those things that maybe all we need to kind of hit that reset button. But if we're truly struggling to recognize those wins in the day to day, the vacation and and I've I've had periods in my life where where I felt this with every part of my my being the vacation is almost worse than never going on vacation yes. because you kind of get, it's almost like a tease. You feel like, oh my gosh, my life could be so amazing if only I could be on vacation every day. Right. And the answer, you know, if you actually went on vacation every day, it's only a matter of time before you start to recreate all of those same patterns. Mm-hmm. So you got to fix the pattern. You've got to be able to find the joy the way you would on vacation or the way you would in those life-changing moments and be able to celebrate that on a day-to-day basis. And so then you get to celebrate new things and different things on vacation. And it is a break from the routine. And it's an opportunity to challenge your brain to think about things differently and you're practicing the same skill set that you're utilizing on a day-to-day basis Absolutely. to really celebrate all of that, which is just amazing when, when it starts to happen. Yes. And when we think about some of the real benefits of vacation, some of it comes before and some of it comes after. So the whole anticipatory stage where you're like, I'm going on vacation. That's awesome. And then the reflective stage where you're like, wasn't it great when we did this or did that? Well, we can recognize those have value if we can try to put them into our regular lives with next Tuesday, I'm having dinner with a friend and I can anticipate that for a week and then have dinner with a friend and then spend a week thinking, wasn't that great that I made time to have dinner with a friend? And it's so much smaller than a vacation. And yet we're, we're using those same skills, we're using those same yeah. patterns. Yes. And it is. And it's a practice. Mm-hmm. And you know, everybody's going to approach that a little bit differently. For me, I find that I can think about things and they're, they help me in the moment, but unless I write them down and I don't enjoy journaling, but there's something about my brain that doesn't really remember it until I've written it down. Mm-hmm. So I have to do that, even though it's, you know, that part of it, I'm like, ah, annoying, grab the journal, write it down, do the thing. <laughs> that part I don't enjoy, but man, it's amazing how much easier it is for me to reflect back or to think forward when I've acknowledged those details, you know, the actual experience, the anticipation, the reflection, and, you know, and then it starts to become just like everything else. It's a habit, Mm -hmm. you know, gosh, I'm super excited. I get to see three clients or five clients today. What an amazing opportunity I have to be able to impact those lives in a positive way versus I'm going to go to work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, (laughs) You know, and, and again, it's it's a reframing and it's not just a matter of trying to trick yourself into being happy. It's finding the things that are truly worthy of celebration. And that's going to be different for me than it is for, for you is going to be different for anybody who happens to be listening to this, this podcast later on. Right. We are not going to celebrate the same things. And that's, you know, not only okay, that's amazing. Yes. And it's really cool to hear what other people celebrate because it opens your eyes to new ideas. You know, where you're like, oh, no, it's raining. And someone else is like, isn't it wonderful? Because my vegetable garden has been really waiting. And you're like, oh, okay. I hadn't thought about it that way. And it is yeah. fun. that we, we, We'll each have our own unique things that we celebrate. And that's part of what makes us individual. That's what the fun is. Our quirks. I was in a, a workshop not too long ago at a, at a conference that I was at, and one of the presenters was talking about sort of the duality of, of some of these sort of highs and lows. 
And, and she was giving some of these specific examples. And one of the ones that came up, for example, we said, well, here's the thing I celebrate. I love when a client has that sort of aha moment mm-hmm. where they're like, oh, I get it. Now I understand you know, why this medical condition is progressing the way it is or why this dog is doing the thing that it's doing. And we love those aha moments. And yet we are so frustrated when the client doesn't get it. Right. And these are, you know, to some degree, they're, they're just kind of the opposite right. side of the exact same situation. And so sometimes even recognizing, okay, the thing that I would celebrate as a win is this, and that's not going to happen every time. So if I'm in that communication sphere with the client and I'm trying to help them understand if we're not quite there yet, what are some of the other things that may happen? You know, I may need to tell the client the same thing five times. Mm -hmm. I may need to reframe it five different ways before they get it. They may do it wrong. They may do a lot of self-judgment because they're doing it wrong. They may ask weird questions that are completely off topic because they don't understand where we're going yet. All of these different variations that I can say, okay, when those things happen, we're close. Yes. We're, you know, we're there and I'm going to recognize when that aha moment happens. And so rather than just getting frustrated by the fact that it's not getting there, you know, we can, you know, we can reframe that into, again, that, that appreciation. I understand and I appreciate that the client wants to understand. Otherwise, they wouldn't be in my office. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that they're invested in the process because they haven't shut down in the conversation yet. I appreciate they're asking questions, even if they're weird. I appreciate <laughs> that they're asking because it tells me what's going on in their brain. And so I get the opportunity to then guide the process. But it's, it's finding those, you know, the moments of appreciation and really connecting in all of those ways that just allows us to, to, to impact lives in such a meaningful way, including our own. Yeah. And the idea of that you celebrate the aha moment for the client as a win also implies that we don't always win. Often we don't celebrate that moment of the aha. We take that as the expected result. Well, of course yes. they, they figured it out and that was good, and, but we didn't celebrate that. We didn't go, yay, I had a client communication and we both got it. It was clear. So looking at it that way, then we go, okay, that time I won. This time I'm still in the game. <laughs> still working. Yeah. Not quite at the finish line yet, but I'm still here. Yeah. And nobody wins everything all the time. If we, if we turn this into sports analogies, which is not my forte, I'm just going to put that out there. You know, <laughs> if you could have the, you know, the, the best team in the world, you could look back through their record and go, what happened in 82? What was going on there? You guys are amazing. And yet even you struggled. Yes. For, you know, for some reason or another. And so it is, it is that, that process and that balance that, that has to be there. It is something that we have to really celebrate those moments in order to recognize the whole, the whole big picture. This is so fun. I think maybe it's going to be the five-hour podcast because I'm totally enjoying talking to you. Uh, two behavior nerds on a roll. Yay! Absolutely. <laughs> um, so I have a question I love to ask all my guests because the answers come out so different. You have a dog, Cornelius, and... If Cornelius could speak English, and I said to him, so tell me a little bit about Chris, what would he say? How would he describe you? That's a great question. Um, oh, I've never thought about that. I, I always think about what are the things that I've learned from my dog, and what do I most want to teach them, and what would I want them to say, but I've never thought about what my dog would say about me. Um, I, I think that that there would be words like uh, intense, <laughs> uh, hopefully passionate, uh, compassionate, driven, 
Um, I, I would hope that that he would say things that I've always got the the best interests of the people and the individuals uh, that that surround me um, at, at the front of my radar. I know that that's not the twenty four seven reality, but those are the things that I hope that he <laughs> recognize and and I hope that he would say that even when when there are times where I struggle, that that he can tell that I'm trying. And that I'm making awesome. an attempt to do well. Yeah, that, that's what that's what I would hope he would say. Yeah. And that would be great if everyone could see that in each other, wouldn't it? Like even when we struggle, we can see that, that we're all trying. Because so yeah. often we interpret things as personal affronts. Like, you didn't file the report right because you hate me. Not because you were busy or distracted or, you know. Yes. I heard someone this, I forget exactly where, so I can't, I can't even attribute the source to this, but they said, you know, one of their little mantras that they use is whenever they, you know, feel that frustration or that moment, they say, I tell myself this individual is doing the best they can with the skills that they have in this moment. Mm -hmm. And, and what I love about that is that even when people, you know, perhaps do some really, damaging or horrific things or say the wrong words or do something that we think, oh my gosh, I can't believe they ever would. There's a big picture behind that. And and I have to believe that people are doing the best they can with the tools they have available to them in that moment. And when I reframe it that way, it's really hard to be judgy. Yeah. Because like, you know what, you know, every one of us has that moment where all, you, you know, all you want to tell people is I'm trying Mm -hmm. I'm trying. And right now I am struggling. I'm struggling hard and I'm doing the best that I can with this right here, right (laughs) now. If we can sort of reframe that, you know, how we perceive others and, and rather than creating all of those stories surrounding, oh, well, I'm sure that he's mad at me for this or I, you know, I can't believe she would do this because of this. Rather than creating the story, say, yeah, you know, that that didn't go the way that I wanted to do. But I I'm, I'm grateful that 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 he's trying. Yeah. I'm grateful that he's doing the best he can with the tools he has available to him in that moment. And it's just amazing what that does for your sense of connection and to really reach out and say, is there any way that, that my skills would be helpful to that person? Mm-hmm. They're, they're struggling right now. Is there anything that I have that could be meaningful to them? And is there anything that they have that could be meaningful to me? And we start to build these collaborations and, and these support networks that are so important, not only for what well, they're important for everything. Everything about what we do gets better when we can build those collaborations and those networks and those communities in whatever forum is relevant to us. Yes. And that's what fills us back up, having people who care or animals who care. But it, we have to have people who care. So when we get ourselves stressed and we're like, I only like animals, the reality is we, we do need the human connections. Absolutely. So this has been tons of fun. If listeners wanted to learn more about you and the work you do, how could they do that? Great question. If they want to, to learn more about the work that we're doing professionally, a lot of that information comes through my practice, which is the Animal Behavior Clinic in Portland. If they want to connect with me on a more personal level, by all means, they can you know follow or connect on either Facebook or Instagram. And the only thing I ask is, is just to send a message that introduces yourself. Um, I love those connections. I love being able to meet people in, in all sorts of different venues. But I also don't just want to run around collecting friends on Facebook. That's not the thing for me. It's not a number. It's I want to be able to say, I met this this amazing individual, Colleen, and, and, and. 
Um, and so if, if you want to connect with me in any, in any of those platforms, just take a moment to introduce yourself and, and, and tell me why you want to connect. Great. Because that's going to be something about you and I'll, and I'll, and I'll reciprocate right back. I'm, I'm in the process of putting together a site that's going to kind of pull a bunch of my different interests and pull them all into one place. But I haven't done that yet. When I do, I'll, I'll announce something on Facebook and Instagram. and, and uh, Awesome. And then we'll update the show notes at that point. But in the Perfect. meantime, the show notes will, will point toward the Animal Behavior Clinic and all, all the other ways, too. That sounds fantastic, Colleen, and I appreciate that. This has been so much fun. I, I think that we had a really fun conversation about celebration, and I hope that other people will start celebrating. And if anyone's looking for ways to take a break at work, apparently one of my 10 tips is recommended by Dr. Chris for podcast. <laughs> so, blue, I mean, blue, clearly. Blue. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a free PDF download on the website if you want it. We're always here at Unleashed at Work at Home trying to find ways to just have better days. So I'm really, really grateful to you, Chris, for coming on today. It was really a lot of fun. 